0: Hi everybody, this is Jason from Cornerstone Dog Training and CornerstonePuppy.com. And hello to everyone, wherever you are, wherever you may be listening to this. Thanks for listening, I appreciate it. And I wanted to help you with a very key component of puppy training or dog training in general today about pressure and release and how to make sure that it's the right kind of pressure and release and really how to communicate with your dog. It's one of the key components to communicating with your dog. So to help you maybe grasp this a little bit, when it comes down to dogs, dogs they, they get pressure release, they just get it. And they're just born naturally understanding pressure and release and we, we train a lot of people and a lot of, um, in fact even one of our trainers right now is also a horse trainer and I always love it when people who know horses come and do training because they get it, they're like oh, Horses get this too and I know horses and dogs are very different and they're very different kinds of animals but they both have that kind of in common where they understand pressure and release and really what it comes down to is it's about space not like the final frontier kind but the kind of space like right around you right so they just get it it's a big deal to them you think about it, like when a dog goes into a new room and they they kind of, you know, pull it on the leash or whatever and they burst in that room, what do they do next? They go and they check out every square inch of space in that room, okay? Because they want to know, all right, if I'm going to have to take care of this space, if this is my space, it belongs to me, then I got to know everything that's in here, every smell, right? Every, Every person, everything. I got to know it all, And so maybe to understand this a little better, um, when I was a teenager, this is going to date me a little bit, but when I was a teenager, Harry Potter was all the rage, and it started coming out, and I grew up in a household where my parents were teachers. My dad was an English teacher, and at the time, my mom was teaching fourth grade, and they were in love with this book, and they would say to their kids, "You've got to read this. This is so fun. This is And everybody's excited about it." There was big excitement around the whole world, and they were all ta- everyone's talking about it. And when we would have Sunday dinner, which was one of the dinners as a family where we, we'd sit down all together and um, have a big meal, my family would talk about Harry Potter, right? They'd read the book and the new book would come out, and everyone would get it, and they'd read it. And I was kind of a stubborn child, and uh, and they would say, oh, Jason, you've got to read this, you, you've got to read, this is so good, this is so great, and to be fair, I have nothing, well, I have nothing against Harry Potter, I, I love it, I think it's awesome, it's amazing the world that was created there by that author, um, but I, at that age, as a teenager, because everyone wanted me to read it, I didn't want to read it. And I did try and read. I read about the first 100 pages of the first one, and I was like, yep, no, I am not interested in this. And also, to be fair, I really just didn't read that much as a kid, as a teenager. But I so I pushed back, and they were like, oh, you got to read it. And they'd talk about it and be all excited about it at Sunday dinner, and I would be like, yeah, no, I'm not reading it, and just being stubborn. Well, uh, around my 19th birthday after high school and everything. And there's several books out at this point, I think four or five or more. I don't know. I can't remember. And, uh, both my parents are teachers and I have one week before I'm going to leave on a church mission. I served a mission for my church when I was 19 for two years in Germany. So all you people in Germany, keep listening because I, I love you guys, (laughs) but, uh, I was about to leave and I wasn't going to be able to like read Harry Potter on my mission. Um, I was just going to focus my whole time on proselyting and things like that. And um, So my parents were gone. They were at school, and they would say, okay, we'll see you after school, and they would leave. And I would go up to my room, and I had a book hidden underneath my pillow. It was Harry Potter, and I would read for six, seven, eight hours straight, and then they would come home, and when I'd hear them come home, I'd slide it under my pillow, and I would go downstairs, and they'd be like, hey, what'd you do all day? I was like, oh, you know, just hung out, just did this, did that, and I didn't want to tell anybody, because I pushed back against it so long, but I got way into it, and I read, I was kind of a slow reader, but three and a half books, I'm finishing up, getting to the fourth book, I start the fourth book, and the next day I'm leaving, I'm like, I have hours before I leave. I'm like staying up at night and reading and try, cause I'm so into this series and I'm like, I gotta keep going. And I'm like, I, I'm leaving tomorrow and I haven't even packed yet. And I'm going to be gone for two years, you know, like this. So I was like, I was so into it. And I looked back and I was like, why did I, you know, why was I so stubborn? Why did I push back? why did I I was like no I don't want I don't want this you're, you're pushing it on me even though it would have been something that would have been so fun and enjoyable had I just trusted them a little bit and not been so stubborn and so our dogs can be a lot like teenagers I don't know if you've ever felt that way but dogs can be a lot like teenagers or little kids and they push back against pressure sometimes um And that's also kind of in their nature, right? Their hierarchies, a lot of it's determined by the pressure that another dog uses and whether or not they end up on top of that. And it it can be a fight, it could just be pressure, right? So um, we don't want it to be a fight, we want it to just be pressure. But we wanna be able to use this communication skill with our dogs. So we use a leash that uses pressure and release, Um, but more importantly, Uh, or at least in a a different light, I want to talk to you about proximal pressure. So this is when maybe you don't have a leash on your dog. Let's say they're chewing on a table leg or something and you're like, oh, I want that to stop. You want to put pressure on them by walking toward them. um, And the, the faster you do it, the more important it's gonna be to them. If you're like, oh, hey, 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 and you're walking toward them fast and they stop, the key then isn't to keep going and keep giving them more pressure, it's to back off and give them more freedom. The release, right? And then of course, if they go right back to the table leg, I would take another step toward them. And that would then tell them, hey, I don't like what you're doing and I'm, I'm gonna take care of that, all right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna assert my dominance, for lack of a better word. I think that word has the wrong connotation most of the time. Basically, I'm gonna say, hey, I don't like that, and I'm asking you to stop. And when your puppy stops, like they'll, they'll look up and stop, step away. And as they go back toward it, step toward them. And if they go back to chew. And that's going to, that's the communication. So a lot of times what happens is we see that happening, and what do people do? Dogs chewing on the leg or something of a table. I'm, that's just any idea, I'm just giving you an example. And they go over and say, hey, no, 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 and they walk over and they touch their dog in some way. Either pick them up and move them, or, you know, whatever you do to get your dog to stop, and they think, you know, or they stand there over them and talk to them and the dog is saying, I stopped, I stopped, I stopped, I stopped, why are you still mad at me? Or or they're saying, ooh, I got a reward, I got touched, that feels good, I'm gonna do that some more. So if we wanna communicate with our dogs, we've gotta understand proximal pressure, where my body is in relation to them. You know, so in space, so, point A, point B, I'm at point A, dog's at point B, point A moves toward point B, and then when they stop that thing I want them to stop doing, back off, that's a reward to a dog. And puppies, of course you're gonna have to do this a lot, so you wanna keep your feet moving, right? Um, But it makes a big difference. And remember that they're puppies, right? Of course we want them to like grow up and be able to walk around our house and be good and always come, but remember they're puppies, So this is a problem most people have when they bring a dog home. A lot of times they think with a puppy. I was just on the phone with somebody talking about, they're talking about getting a new puppy and they were wanting advice. One of the things I would do is be really smart about your plan when you come home. Because most people will say, oh, American Dream, we got a puppy. And they put it down and they say, here's your home. And the puppy runs into the house. And in a dog's mind, you're kind of saying like, okay, I'm giving you this freedom and you you know and you've got to take care of it you've got to deal with it but they're not really capable of understanding what to do i'll give you an example our four-year-old um is he's a really smart kid too smart for his own good um (laughs) but when he was even a little younger at three years old he started we found him starting to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches yes my child would go to the drawer get a butter knife out of the drawer don't don't judge me as a parent okay he would he would grab that and he would he he would start to to put peanut butter and jelly on and he'd make his own sandwich and i was totally okay with that now could i expect him uh you know to be able to make a full on dinner absolutely not it's not going to happen for years right um he's not not at the level of that adult freedom in his life and so w- we shouldn't be able to expect a puppy to be able To have that amount of freedom either it's just too much for them and it will either stress them out and make them fearful or it's going to make them feel like super super powerful and a little bit of that's not bad for a puppy to make them feel capable but if they feel like i'm the best one here and i can do whatever i want they don't have the leadership skills to be the leader and they're going to start doing things like a lot of times it's to little kids and being like hey you can't do that i'm in charge here and why my my three-year-old can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. At that same time, he was still in diapers. And I would, I like to say what he lacked in potty training experience, he made up in sandwich making ability. Um, he was also the fifth child. So he didn't, his parents were a little lazy when it came to potty training. Their son, dogs are easier to potty train anyway than boys. But, um, our, you know, we see these examples all over the place. Like our Elementary age kids, they love to go to the library and check out books. That's a great thing, um, but it would be super nice if they could drive themselves there. But if I gave my my eleven year old daughter the the car keys and said, "Hey, yeah, go for it," you know, um, so I support your voracious reading habits. I, I want you to go and be able to get books and things like that. They're, she's not going to be old enough. It's going to end poorly. She's just not to that level of freedom yet. And of course I want her there as soon as possible, but I also don't want to push it, okay? So this is true for our dog as well. Um, The key to having a well-behaved dog is to grant freedom and the added responsibility that comes along with it as it is earned, as your your dog's maturity can handle it. So that freedom, that responsibility needs to be equal to the dog's maturity and their training So a lot of times with training, we'll have younger dogs that their ability is higher, but their maturity is still catching up. And we still kind of have to just maintain that level of training until they can reach that level of maturity. With a brand new puppy, of course I'm just gonna restrict that freedom. Not because I don't want them to have it, but because they're not capable of having it yet and it can lead to other issues. So, too much freedom for a dog. Um, it's bound to end poorly. It's not going to be good. But far too many people give their puppies the world and then discover that they've created a monster. And so be smart with it. When your puppy comes home, use a kennel. A kennel is a great way. And they, they get used to that. And when they can be good in that space, then we expand it. And if you're smart about that, you may never have a potty problem in the house. Maybe in the kennel a few times. But if you're really smart with it and follow schedules we've talked about in other podcasts... You just might not ever have a a potty issue, a chewing issue, and yes, you're going to manage it a little bit more at first, but that's for the first few months of life, and by seven, eight months, following good training programs, training programs like we're offering, you can have a pretty amazing off-leash dog by that time. Perfect? No. I'm I'm not raising a robot, but definitely a pretty amazing dog, so... We, we give them a little bit of freedom and then we, we take them and we put them, sorry, that's my, my door locking late at night, the alarm locking, um, if you heard that beeping in the background. But we want to give them a, a little bit of freedom and then bring them back to that smaller space and give them a chance to kind of digest it. So the message is basically start small and expand. And you grant freedom as it's earned. Um, it's gonna be a slow process with puppies and that's okay. That's gonna be just fine. You're gonna do great. Use your body language, your body proximal pressure to help uh, communicate with your dog. You start to use that in the right way, and that is, oh, that's a that's a trainer trick right there. Like, if you can understand how to use body pressure and then release, in other words, step back or stop leaning over, you can do a lot to talk to a dog watch it sometime. You'll watch as you lean over, you'll see a puppy like say, ooh, what, and they'll kind of crouch down sometimes and be like, what did I do wrong? And then you stand up straight or walk away from them, and they'll be like, oh, okay, I'm good. And they'll bounce off and change just that fast. So it's pretty cool to watch. It's pretty fun to do. Proximal pressure's key, but also granting freedom as it's earned and using that space to communicate with your dog is gonna bless your world. It's kind of a tough concept, kind of nice to see. If you need help seeing it, um, you can see examples of this training with the f- uh, free partial version of our online puppy training. Um, the secret website to go to that is cornerstonepuppy.com, and then you need to put in right after that forward slash access. So that's cornerstonepuppy.com forward slash access. And as you do that, you put in your email and things like that, push a few green buttons, and you go in there and you'll be able to see video of this happening. Um, with pressure and release or kennel training, you'll be able to see lots of this because it's one of the main ways dogs communicate. So go have fun with it. Um, Have a good, good day, evening, wherever you are. I hope it's great and happy training. Talk to you later.